her highly anticipated new novel, In the Unlikely Event, Judy Bloom creates a moving story of three generations of families, friends, and strangers whose lives are profoundly changed by unexpected events. In this episode of 92Y Talks, the beloved author of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and Summer Sisters discusses her new book and extraordinary career with moderator Samantha B. The conversation was recorded on June 2nd, 2015, in front of a live audience at New York's 92nd Street Y. Exciting for all of us. Can you do you feel? I feel love radiating from every corner of this auditorium and up there. Do you do you bask in that warmth? Do you feel? Do you feel that? Can you absorb? Can you handle it? Uh, can I handle it? <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. So much love. <laughs> Thank um, you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> your new book, In the Unlikely Event, dropped today. Today is the day. It's birthday. It's birthday it of your book. Birthday. And this is, today is the culmination of how many years worth of effort? Five. Five years. It took five years to write time. this book. Mm -hmm. I, I could have had a lot of kids. You could, you could have. <laughs> you could have been pregnant with all those five years. Um, I read the book over the weekend. It's fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I think you will all <clears throat> love it as much as I did. Um, it's so emotional. It's wrenching. It's beautiful. It's funny. It's just kind of everything that you would hope that it would be and would expect it to be. Gorgeous. Um, Thank you, Sam. What does, it, what does it feel like for you when a new book comes out after so much work and so much research? Is it a release? It's emotional. I mean, tonight is emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it really is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad sure. it's over. Yeah, it was a long haul. Okay. I'm glad it's over, and this should be the fun part. This is, yes. Well, it's the fun part for us, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and Elizabeth, in your hometown, Elizabeth, New Jersey, last night, a last homecoming. Night. Yeah, very rowdy homecoming, mm -hmm. I have to say. Yes, the rowdiest book signing I've ever had. You had a police, <laughs> you had a police escort. The mayor We had a police escort taking, leading us back to the city. And my cousin, who is here tonight, who lives in Elizabeth, said, oh, that's where my tax dollars are that's going. That's right, that's right. <laughs> That's right, it's worth it. Um, what percentage of, I know people talk about this all the time, but what percentage of, of your readers would you say cry upon meeting you? Is it a large <laughs> percentage? Because I bet there are some tears being shed right now in this audience. Is that, is, is that, is that heavy for you at all? Do you feel the weight of people's emotions when they meet you? Um, well, I get emotional right back, so if they Do cry, it. I cry. Oh. So we keep Kleenex on the table. Oh, that's good. <laughs> just, just in case. That's it's good. You know, I'm incredibly grateful to my readers. They mm -hmm. gave me my career. If, right. it, if it hadn't been for them, you know, when they were kids, passing the books around, mm -hmm. I don't know what would have happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, my early dreams were simple. Please, someday let me be published. Right. You know, it never went any further than that. And look where we are today, my I know, <laughs> I know. I can't, you know, I can't really focus on that because it will scare me. Right. And, um, especially if you're trying to write, you can't think about it. Because right. then 
you won't be able to do anything. It's true. When you yeah. when you carry when you when you when you think of people's expectations, it's impossible to get anything done. Exactly. And in the beginning, it was so easy because no one had any expectations, including me. Right. You know, I was right. just writing. Right. And now, yeah, it comes with that. It's much tougher. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you consider yourself to be a political writer at all? Because, you know, some people would argue that, that writing about things that are taboo or unspoken is in itself a, a political act. And you've written about so many hot-button issues. You've written about masturbation, Ooh. religion, and... <laughs> you know what? Within three minutes, I knew I was going to say masturbate. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> bullying and racism. Did you... When you were writing those earlier books, and we'll get to in yeah, the yeah. likely event. Did you, did, did you consciously think this will be a hot button, this will be a hot button issue for people, or did it just flow from you? I did didn't it just think flow? about it. Anything. You didn't think about it. You know, I didn't know anything. I didn't mm -hmm. know anybody who wrote or had ever written. We didn't mm -hmm. have groups then. You know, I would have loved to have had a group, a writer's group, but we didn't have sure. anything like that. So I just, just sat there and wrote these things. Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> I just wrote from your heart. And that's it. No, I wrote the truth, what I knew to be the truth. I wrote my own truth. Right. You know, I remembered these things, and I knew that I would have been very satisfied if I could have read a book that said, it was okay to masturbate. Right, right, okay. With show of hands, just quick show, who in this building? <laughs> learned about those concepts from Judy's books. I mean, probably a lot of people. You so don't need a book to teach you. That's true. You need a book to let you know you're normal. It's okay. Um, were you as honest with your own children about those issues and sex as you were in your books? Or when they came to you with questions, did you just say, just read, just read this? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Well, my son is in the audience tonight. We could ask. You can ask him. <laughs> we'll ask him. We'll I, I tried. We'll bring I, him you up. know, because nobody ever told me anything mm -hmm. in the 50s. I mean, that's how it was. Sure. Um, I vowed that I would do a better job right. with telling my kids. When they asked me questions, I would answer them. When my little daughter, um, uh, when I came into the kitchen one morning and my son was dancing around saying, Randy's, Randy's having a baby, Randy's having a baby, mm -hmm. and Randy, my little girl, was sitting down on an egg from the refrigerator <laughs> because she was going to hatch an egg and then there right. would be a baby. I knew it was time to get them how babies are made. Right. And so, you right. know... If you asked her, she would say, well, the Bloom children always had books, which didn't always go over well with the neighborhood mothers. Because right. the children came to our house and they read these books or mm -hmm. saw these books about how babies are made. That's right, of and course. And they went home and told their mommies. That would be... <laughs> Did mommies ever come to speak to you privately after? And <laughs> This was a long time ago, and I wasn't popular for that. Okay. Did you ever think it would be possible that we would still be arguing about teaching sex, sex education to children in the year 2015? I mean, yeah. it feels like dystopian nightmare to me that we would. I know. It's incredible. Know. Other countries think we're out of our minds. You right. Know. It's like it's just, it's a part of life. Mm -hmm. Are You There God has this amazing way about approaching, you know, teenage adolescents or adolescents and religion, which was 
controversial, really, in 1970. But if you were writing that same book today, do you think, what do you think would be different in terms of your approach to puberty and religion? Do you think it would be different? I'm so glad I don't have to write that book again. Right, <laughs> right. So glad. You did it. I have no idea. I mean, I was writing, you know, from the point of view of the child I was who had this amazing, um, intimate relationship with God. Mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with organized religion. And, you know, that's, that's who I was. That's... That's how I made bargains with God. We had this thing going, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. and it's, it's really interesting because um, women who tell me they go back to read Margaret yes. as grown women, yes. they say, I didn't remember anything about religion. But as grown women or men, mm -hmm. they see that it's really more about that right. than it is, you know, Getting your period. Getting your period. That's fine. I had that exact same experience because I did reread it. My daughter's reading it right now. She's nine. And I reread it in preparation for this. I mean, I've read it. Questions. I, yeah, all the questions. I mean, we're not. I, I think when I was a girl, and I think it's very common amongst your readership. We've reread your books 50 to 100 times. <laughs> is that true? Is that true for most of your? Is that true for contemporary readers of your books as well? I, you'd have to ask them. I, I, I hope to so. bring some. I'll have to ask my daughter. <laughs> Get ready for the questions. I know. And what I know. are you going to do if there aren't any questions? Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. She keeps them all just, locked inside her heart. No, she I just maybe, not. you know what, when you're young and you're not there yet, you mm -hmm. just read over that stuff. Right. Yes. Like my friend who wanted a special place when she read Dini, mm -hmm. and so she decided that her special place was her elbow. And she rubbed it and rubbed it and waited for the good feeling. She's waiting for, I'm waiting She's for the She's a writer magic. now, Carolyn Mackler. I love her. I'm waiting for the magic. I don't know, is she here? Carolyn, are you here? She's here! <laughs> I love that story That's that she so shared great. with me. It's her story, but That's thank so you, great. Carolyn, for letting me tell it. You must get fan mail from all over the world. Obviously, your books have been translated in over 30 languages. Do you ever get letters from people that surprise you. Do you still have people tell you things about themselves that surprise you? You know, since the letters come now mostly by email, they aren't right. anywhere near as intimate or interesting oh. or surprising as they were when a person actually had to write it down. There was something about the act of writing it down and folding it and putting it in an envelope and licking it and putting a stamp on it and putting it in the mailbox. Mm -hmm. That was such a different kind of experience for them as well as for me mm -hmm. than sending off an email message, oh, I think. And sometimes, yeah, somebody will really pour out her heart or mm -hmm. guts or he mm -hmm. uh, via email, but it's a whole different thing. Right.
I have. A, I think you have a lot of male fans, which I think which you have a lot. I yes, mean, I would they say, like do you fudge. Think I, they do. <laughs> they do. The UPS man. That's right. The UPS. Yes. In fact, when I knew that I was that, that I was going to be doing this, I was sort of offering tickets to my female friends, and I had several male friends go, "Well, you didn't even. I'm right here. I read. Are you there, guys? Me, Margaret, too, because I wanted yes. to know the secrets of women." Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, you are all well represented here. You are loved. Um, when you write a book, do you have a vision or an intention for how that book is going to resonate with people? Or do you just, it's just the act of writing it. You just. For me, I can't think about an audience or the people who are going to read it mm -hmm. because that would paralyze me, okay. you know. I mean, you gotta kick the readers off the shoulder, you gotta kick the censors off the shoulder, and you just have to be in there alone with your characters. Mm -hmm. And there's no point in thinking about how it's gonna be received. Right. I don't even show it to my editor, she's here tonight. She and I talked, we had what we call our power breakfast at Sarah Beth, sure. uh -huh. when, whenever I came to New York. And for five years, I talked to her I never talk about a book when I'm writing it. It's not a good thing to do, but with this book, I did. Okay. And I kept sharing stories with her, and she said, well, anytime you want to show me something, I'm here for you. <laughs> I didn't show her anything until a year ago when I sent a whole manuscript, which I wasn't going to send, um, but I said to my husband, it's either send it or burn it. Oh. And George said... Send it first. You can always burn it. <laughs> so that was just a year ago now. Was she so excited to receive the manuscript? Was she like, I never thought it was coming. I can't believe it's real. Or does, do, do, does she have to deal gently with you and go like, whenever you're ready to send it, I hope it comes. I'm very lucky in mm -hmm. that um, my agent and my editors know better. They don't push me because mm -hmm. I don't take that well. Right. I don't take direction well. I get it. Okay. I, you know, tell me that there's something I can't do, and I'm going to do it. Right. Okay. Ooh. Ooh I consider <laughs> that to be a challenge. Um, do you have a routine for write? Do you have a routine that you, that you follow when you are writing a book? Do you have a special place that you go to every day, and it's the same every day, and you need the tulips a certain way, and you lay out your pencils a certain way, or is it more freeform than that? It's, um, it's, it's a routine. It's like when I'm writing, mm -hmm. when I'm writing, it's just like going to work. I get up, I do my exercise, I have my breakfast, I take my shower. Mm -hmm. I don't wear my favorite bracelet, but I go to the office. Okay. And the office is just right in my house in Key West. You know, it's... Mm -hmm. Right there. What does it look like? Oh, I need to know oh, what it looks like. That is the most beautiful room I've ever worked in ever in my life because it's Key West and I throw the glass doors open and I'm in a garden. I want to live in that I room. I know. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it can be really, really messy, okay. especially when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. I like things that are neat. Other people have really neat places, but mine, when I'm working, 
is really pretty messy. My mind is messy. Okay. That's why I like a that. first draft of my book is a mess. If I died during the first draft, oh, nobody okay. would ever, nobody would nobody ever be able to piece anything. it together. Like, what okay. was she doing? Well, she must have been sicker than that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it comes together draft after draft after draft. I mean. Mm -hmm. And it's you, gotten really bad. So you print it, you print, there's papers everywhere, it's... And, well, now I learned this trick from Summer Sisters when there were pa pages and boxes of manuscripts sure. everywhere. Uh -huh. And I, you know, that's when I vowed I'm never, ever, ever doing this again. And then I got a little bit more organized, and now every draft goes into a three-ring binder. Okay. So I've got purple three-ring binders. Everywhere, <laughs> all over, and like, which draft is this? Well, which draft is this? Oh, that's so, so great. But that's helped me a lot write this book, and this book is complicated. This it's book so. is very complicated. Yeah. Let's talk about in the unlikely event. It's it very is, complicated. I mean, in a in the best possible way. It's woven together in a really beautiful tapestry. But it, it you must have done so much research. Is that typical for you to do to put that amount of research into a book? I've never done that... research. Okay. And I discovered that I love doing research. I loved it. I never wanted to stop. Mm -hmm. And my husband, who's written nonfiction, and all my friends who write nonfiction, all said, like, yeah, that's the fun <laughs> that's part. The, oh, okay. The research. But you still have to sit down and write. <laughs> right. You can't put it up <laughs> forever. The research was wonderful fun. And that was about five months. Okay. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the book? I don't want to go into too much detail, but it is the backdrop is the town that you grew up in. 1950, the winter of 1951-52 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, and it's multiple families, multiple generations, and everyone is going about their business when, um, and this is based on true events, when in 58 days during that winter, three planes fell out of the sky, and one crashed right near the junior high where I was a student. One just missed going through a window of the only all-girls we were a, a all-girls public high school and right. boys public high school, New Jersey. <laughs> and um, and of course crashed into a residential area. Yes. And the third one, um, just you know, a few weeks later, into the grounds of the only orphanage in town. So All right. It sent a message to the kids. You know, they're out to get you. They are really yes. And like who? What made you, because this happened in your world, how did that affect, I mean, how did that affect you in the moment when you were a teenager? Did it, because I've read that um, you don't know why you weren't more curious about it when it was, when it was happening in your world. I think I, I you know, I who remember everything, mm -hmm. I think I have put this so far away. I do remember some things, mm -hmm. but I don't think, I never saw any of it. I, and I think, you know, to, to have a vivid image, um, I know there's someone here tonight who did have that vivid image. I never saw the planes themselves as they were coming down. Okay. I never visited any of the crash sites. I don't know why. My guess is my mother 
was very careful not mm -hmm. to let me do that. Mm -hmm. um, and we did talk a lot about it at school, mm -hmm. and, and the boys were convinced, you know, because it was scary, and so it was sure. much better if you could come up with your own reasons for it. So the boys liked the, you know, flying saucers, aliens, zombies, sure. and they're out to get us, and some of them said it's commies, the commies are coming, mm -hmm. and they're doing, it was the middle of McCarthy, the McCarthy era, mm -hmm. and, and the smart girls, and I wanted to be with them. <laughs> One smart girl said, and then we all said, it's sabotage. Oh, sabotage. Sabotage. Oh. Of course it's sabotage. That's the only thing that makes sense. Such a sophisticated Such a sophisticated word. word. We had to go to the dictionary and look at um, but, but, I mean, so it was a terrible time. I mean, it was a tragic time. Yes. These events are tragic. And yet, I don't want you to think that the book um, is a tragic... No, it's not at all. It's, it's, not. It's, not, it's not at all. That's really just... I mean, it's a huge... It's a big part of the book, but it really is the, it really is the backdrop. It's how, everyone, how everyone's lives are affected in yes. different ways. And then... But as my father always said to me, and my father, by the way, you know, is the inspiration for Dr. O, the mm -hmm. dentist in the book. Yes. I like dental heroes. They're always, they're Listen. always, you know, so maligned. They should. They, my, my father dentist was is my a hero. hero. Yes, yes, absolutely. We need to write a book called My Dentist is My Hero. My Dentist is My Hero. I'm curious, what, why now? Or why five years ago did you launch into this? Did something happen in the world or in your life and a light bulb went off? Oh, that's, that's I got it. it. <laughs> the light bulb went off. Mm -hmm. The light bulb went off and the whole thing came to me. The light bulb went off, you know, when someone was on stage talking about the 50s and it was like the 50s, the 50s, oh my God. I've got this story in me and, and it, all came to me at once, like wherever it was buried in there. It just came up and it was, I have to get home. I have to start this now. That, this was on a weekend. I started researching Monday morning. Really? Yes. Do you remember it, what the inciting event was? Do you remember what you were seeing that made that like Well, when she said the 50s, yeah. I mean, that was it. And everything came to me, unlike any other book I've ever written which stews you know, for a very long time. Now, it's possible that this has been stewing for 46 years since I started to write. Right. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But all I can say is I never, ever thought about writing it. My daughter became a commercial airline pilot. She wow. said when she read this, how could you not have told me this story? Oh, you didn't even? No. You mean you hadn't even told her this story as no. she was going? Really? No. That is fascinating. That is, oh, that we is, need to lay down on a couch. I know. And we could go through the whole thing. That's interesting. But the good thing is, it came out. It was ready. Or I was ready. Did it flow in a, did it flow out of you? Or was it a similar type of writing experience? Did, was it, you know, was there a push and a pull? Or did you feel like an extra amount of relief with this book? because of that, because it had been kind of trapped for so long? I felt that I knew it so well. What was the point of writing it? 
I, I mean, usually I write to find out, you know, and I did, of course, find out a lot because I mm -hmm. had no idea what my characters were really like, you know. I right. mean, three families came to me in that light bulb moment, mm -hmm. and I kind of knew even where it was going. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know them well. But still, I never talk about a book when I'm writing. I think it's a really bad thing to talk about your book when you're writing it, mm -hmm. because if you talk about it, then you feel you don't have to write it. You know, I sure. mean, you're, you're getting it out. And I always advise people, don't, don't talk about your books when you're writing. Don't talk about it. Don't show it. No, I it. put my hands over the screen if somebody comes into the room, like my husband even. I put it over, I put my hands over. Don't look. Don't look. Oh. I don't want to share this. I'm not ready to share this. And mm. so this book, you know, the story was so vivid. It was so there for me mm -hmm. um, that it was hard to force myself to actually, you know, page by page by page. It was very hard. And, and it was, as you say, it was complicated. When I read it, it did flow over me a little bit. I got very caught up in it very fast. It was, I did, maybe. That's good. Yeah, it's a good That's thing. That's good. I mean, That's why it, it took five years. Yes. When you, when you were doing all of your research, and I know that you even went back to, to the to the microfiche. Does everybody remember to. what microfiche is? We had to because the um, there were two local now defunct newspapers, and mm -hmm. one of them, the Elizabeth Daily Journal, had not been digitized, nor had the Newark Evening News been digitized. Mm -hmm. um, but I did have to go to. You had to go to the dusty old microfiche. I did, and I had to mask. wear a mask. Oh, That's did you true. really? Yes. Oh, oh, I was making that up. I'm so allergic. Oh, okay. And and one day, um, the very nice guy who sat in there it was in the history room of the um, public library in Key West. Mm -hmm. He said, "Okay, hold your breath. I'm going to open this closet, and when <laughs> I open this closet, the dust is just going <laughs> to." Oh, wow. And after that my very sweet husband said, I'm gonna get you one of these from eBay. And he found me a micro. Oh, that's a good husband. I don't know the difference between film and fish. I don't either. But <laughs> I don't, I, we don't need to find out. Did you, when you went back, when you went back and you looked at all of that, that stuff, did you, did you remember, did memories come flooding back for you? Did you see people that you had once known? A lot of memories came back. Mm -hmm. um, there were things that I always knew, um, but, but I learned so much and so many um, of my characters and so many moments in the book come from those articles. And I feel that those newspapermen, as one of the daughters told me, her father never called himself a reporter. Um, he called himself a newspaperman. Oh. Um, I'm going to meet her. She said, did you ever hear of this reporter? And I said, did I ever hear of him? He's my, you know, he's my best friend because these guys who wrote the stories, there was no, no television news coverage. Right. I don't really think I read the papers then, to tell you the truth. I was 14. <laughs> sure, I, no. You know, I knew what I knew, but I, I didn't really read the papers. Right. But I learned, you know, that the language, I mean, and I... I wanted to use that 50s descriptive language. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the plane broke apart like a swollen cream like puff. Like a cream puff. I remember I that. Yes, it's beautiful. Or it came down like um, 
like a, an angry, wounded bird. That's right. Yes, you know. that's all. I the love... Times doesn't write that way. They don't. They're not allowed to. <laughs> um, I do. Yeah, those were. There were so such vivid, such vivid imagery, and really just like ev evoking a whole world for you. You, you know, to I really can't... paint the picture for you. I can't write descriptive prose. Mm -hmm. I oh. absolutely can't write descriptive prose. I can do characters and relationships and dialogue, but don't make me describe anything. If it hadn't been for those newspaper stories, mm -hmm. I could not have described the scenes. Oh. You know, they had to do it for me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. When you, do you approach I think I know the answer to this, but do you, do, you, do you craft a book differently when writing for adults, writing for an adult audience, or no, you don't? No. You just, it's just the same? No, yeah. Okay. In fact, I, I don't know when I'm writing a book like this mm -hmm. who the audience is, but it seemed to me as I wanted to go into the heads of the adult characters, and I wanted it from their points of view as well as the younger characters, you know, they're 15 and 18, the, the two young women who carry it. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to go all over the place. And I heard Meg Wallitzer. Mm -hmm. I actually read that Meg Wallitzer, in saying the difference between writing for adults and writing a YA book, um, is that you can meander. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with a teenager who wants to read this book. Great. You know, right. yeah. I might have read it when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you, um, how do you feel about air travel, incidentally? Did it, I'm just curious, um, because I feel like that would have been, I feel like your book may have had an impact on me, actually. No, don't let no, it. I, no, I won't. I, I could not wait to fly. Oh. Flying was so exciting then. You know, everybody dressed up. Sure. And, and you got a little travel suit and you wore your white. You had a little stake on your airplane. Oh, with your little you did. If you went far enough, you, I mean, if you traveled far enough, you did. Mm -hmm. You got very nice food. And you got to smoke on the plane. <laughs> but I never smoked. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But that wasn't good. No, but I couldn't wait to fly. <laughs> That's the bad part. Don't, don't need to remember I, I thought it was very exciting. I was probably a little nervous, and my way of dealing with it was to cut up, you know. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I flew to Houston, was my first flight from Newark Airport to my brother's wedding. The following year, though, my father took me to college interviews in Boston. Okay. Just as Dr. O takes his son in the book. And it was winter. Okay. And you know what's coming. Yeah, and yes. and um, the flight home was canceled. And my father scored two tickets. What did I know? I mean, I was with Daddy. And as long as I was with him, I was safe. Nothing bad could ever happen to me. He got two tickets on a what we called non-sked non plane. Yes. The first plane that crashed in Elizabeth was a non-sked plane. Mm -hmm. You know, they were... I, you, do, you guys don't know what that is, but... They were like a cheap charter, right. right? You wanted to, anyway. And they flew in bad weather, obviously. Mm -hmm. And on the way home, my father said to me, don't ever tell your mother. Ah. Flew on an unscathed <laughs> oh, plane. Right. And I never told my mother oh. that we did. That's I didn't even funny. know enough to be scared. The kid in the book knows enough to think. My father my is dad did my this? father is the dentist who's identifying the victims. 
in the morgue every night by their dental records. He's taking me, his only son, on a non-sket airline. Right. He's not as, you know, Did loving. You, is that the role? <laughs> is that the role that your father played? My father was Doctor O. He was Doctor O. Yeah, so he that's did. the only character that's really based on someone I knew, inspired by, because he never did a lot of the things. But we're not going there. Right. Not, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. Well, isn't I mean Henry is sort of loosely based. Isn't isn't there something of your husband in Henry? No, my husband became Henry. Oh, Borman. okay. We okay. call him Hank now. His oh. name is George. Well, but, thank you. But we call him Hank um, because I always knew that I wanted to use real newspaper stories um, to help tell the story. And uh, it turned out that because they all came with bylines, I had to, I uh, couldn't give Henry Ammerman, the young journalist in, in the book, a very important character, I couldn't give his byline to these stories. And so I had to, at the last minute, last fall actually, I learned that all of the newspaper stories with bylines had to be revised and combined. And it was like, guys, I can't do this. I can't, I was still working on the book. Mm -hmm. I can't make this deadline. Mm -hmm. And up steps the knight in shining armor oh. and says, I can be your Henry Ammerman. Look at that. Oh. Where is he? Is he here? Where he's, is he? He's, he's probably here. asleep. Oh, he's <laughs> he always sleeps when I'm giving talks. It's like I've heard all this before. <laughs> so he helped me very much. And I was a you know, our our apartment was turned into kind of a little a little newspaper room mm -hmm. and newsroom, and mm -hmm. he would bring me stories. And he's very easygoing, thank goodness, because I would say, oh, this isn't good enough. Make this better. And he would go away, and he always made it better. Oh, that is lovely. Yeah. OK. Well, I now have to move on to people's, to audience questions. OK. That is the, so if you give me a little wave if this is your question, and then we'll know where to direct the answer. This is, the first question is from Renee. Renee? Where are you? No, I don't see. Oh, I don't see. Okay. Which of your books generated reactions that most surprised you? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, that is a good question. Is there anything you would have written? If, if you could, if, when you reflect upon all the books you've written, and you've written so many, is there anything you would have done differently? Do you o have any of that? Only Iggy's House, because that was a first attempt at writing, you know, a, a little novel for, for young readers. Okay. And I didn't know what I was doing, and I think that I could do a better job with that, but I don't want to. No, you're not going to do that. I don't need to do that. Um, I tend to be easy on myself when I take a book off the shelf, mm -hmm. and the question I ask myself is when I look at a book like Blubber, say, mm -hmm. how did I know this? How did I do this? Because I think when, you, when you're doing it, you're in some other part of your brain, and you don't even know that you know certain things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always, you know, so I don't want to do any of them again. But which one surprised me? I guess when Margaret was published, you know, I got this phone call from a woman who asked me if I had written it. And I mm -hmm. said yes. And then she called me a communist. Oh. <laughs> 
that's right. They were oh. still saying that. They were still accusing, you know, still. 1952 to 1960, sure. whatever it was, they were still accusing people of being communist. Sure. It was kind of a catch-all, I guess. Dirty. You're just dirty. Dirty communist. Just, I don't like this. You're probably a communist. <laughs> Do, oh, here's an interesting question from Cynthia Hornig. Do you consider yourself a feminist? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Cynthia. Absolutely. Come on. I'm in the first wave. Mm -hmm. I'm the first wave. You know, I'd have been marching if I hadn't lived in the suburban neighborhood with two little kids. <laughs> I, I'm in my heart, and I was out there marching. I, yes, and you know, I hate it that we've gone through in all these years from feminist being a dirty word, feminist, mm -hmm. oh, that's a terrible word. You're this or you're that, and now being a feminist has some other meaning that I don't even understand. But yes, mm -hmm. I'm a feminist. My husband is a feminist. Right. My son is a feminist. <laughs> yes. Of course. This is a question from this is a question from me. I'm just interrupting everybody else's questions with my own questions because I do want to hear your answer to this. Do you think that do you think that writing is a talent that people are born with and can, that can be nurtured to become greater? Or do you think that it's something that can be taught and that with hard work and diligence, you can ultimately write that great novel? Or is it a little bit of both? Well, hard work and diligence, I always say hard work and determination mm -hmm. is maybe as important as talent. But I, I don't think, I, I think it is something that we're born with, those of us who write fiction anyway. I mean, I had those stories in my head from the time I was eight or nine. You know, I never told anybody, I never wrote mm -hmm. them down, mm -hmm. but they were there. And I think you're born a certain way. Some of us can do one thing, some of us can do other things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so much I can't do that I'm grateful I can do <laughs> Okay, now here is a, okay, here we go. Okay. This is, I love the handwriting here, but I am sort of going like this. Okay, the question is, I wrote an article a few years ago that mentioned your activism in support of other YA authors whose books are censored. What do you say to people who try to prevent your books from reaching their target audiences? Or anybody's books. Or anybody's books. Right. Um, because you do a lot of work. What do I say is I call, I call the National Coalition Against Censorship. Mm -hmm a little organization that's wonderful, that mm -hmm. changed my life when I felt alone, really alone and isolated in 1980 when all of this started. Mm -hmm. um, and they help, they will help anyone who has that problem. You just call them, send them an email and- Is it ongoing? Are people it's still- It's ongoing, It's yes. an ongoing process. It's, yeah, it's ongoing, I mean I'm not, I'm, you know, it's not just me. I'm not the only target here. It's any, I think, book that um, kids really like. Right. <laughs> right. They don't know about the other books, so, you know. But if, uh, like right now, it's really, really bad against, oh, I told you I can't do names, um, George. Help me, <laughs> the real true story of a mm -mm Indian. Sherman Alexei, oh, Sherman right. Alexei's book, wonderful, wonderful book, is just being given an awful time. People want to, you know, get this book out of 
get out of my mm -hmm. school. I don't want my kids to read it. Here's the thing. If you don't want your kids to read a book, fine. You can tell them, I don't want you to read this book. Mm -hmm. And maybe they will and maybe they won't because they'll find it someplace else. But you can't say what all other all kids people. Right, can read. You can't say this book shouldn't be in the school library because I don't want my kid to read it. Right. And I'll, really there's nothing more intriguing to a child than the thought that they are not allowed to read a book. Yeah, we're like, what's in it? Ooh. Right. right. What's, what are all these books about evolution? I should read about that. There's something going on. What is that? <laughs> um, have there been, and this is a good question from Megan Hess. Um, have there been any storylines that you have decided not to write? Are there stories, I guess, that came to you that you would never or could never put down in writing? Have, <coughs> yes, have there been stories that you've thought of and ultimately rejected for one reason or another? If they don't work. I mean, it, you know, I really can't think of anything right now that I've started since you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, since the 70s that I haven't followed through with. But I think, you know, within a book, there are things that you come to, and I don't believe in writer's block. I, I don't like that. I don't mm -hmm. deal with that. You know, there are good days and bad days, but if you come to that place and it just isn't working, then get rid of it. Have you, you know, half written a book and then thrown the whole book and just gone, forget it. It's just, I can't bring this together. I have some um, manuscripts in my filing cabinet from before I was published. Okay. Um, and I have some picture books mm -hmm. and they have in big writing to my children because mm -hmm. they're really awful. If, <laughs> if you publish these after I die, I will haunt you. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm so intrigued. Larry, now. where are you, Larry? <laughs> I don't know where he is. <laughs> but, really funny. You know, I've kept them. I've kept them mm -hmm. so I can look back and see. Right. Do you look I've through? The, do you look through them ever? Do you just, as a fun Sunday afternoon activity, go through? This is sometimes I reread my college essays, and that is an experience. <laughs> Do you do not that? Not so much okay, on good. a fun Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it's not, not that fun. So much. <laughs> what do you mean you don't believe in writer's block? I mean, I guess I don't either. I guess you just have to put stuff on a page, and sometimes you'll come back to it the and next day and go. you have to go away. If, I mean, if it's not working that day, this is mm -hmm. what I find anyway. Just walk away right. and come back to it clean and do something physical. I, I get my best ideas you know, walking or riding a bike or, mm -hmm. or doing something physical. Right. Like I used to bounce the pink Spalding ball against the side of my house right. when I was a kid, uh -huh. and that's where the stories came. Great. And I now trust that if I do that, it will come. Something will come. Yeah, but I once lost three months when I was writing a book because I read a novel Oh, danger and zone. Danger yeah. zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was very involved in this novel, and I said to myself when I finished it, well, you don't know what you're doing, because this book is really good, and you can't do a book as good as this. And I couldn't write for three months. Oh, that's, yeah. And that's so I learned painful. best to stay away from fiction mm -hmm. when I'm writing fiction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, I get that. I've been there. 
I've been there. Um, so it's hard for me to watch television. I'm writing a television. Oh. I'm in the process of writing a television show right now. It's actually very hard for me to watch television while writing a television show. It's, because it's, I don't want, you also don't want other people's ideas to come mm -hmm. into your brain mm -hmm. and, and subvert what you're doing. And you don't want to see something really good because well, then you go, well, the oh, thing. For, yeah, I, mean, I don't for know. It, what, the inspiration, you know, it should come between the projects. Right. But I did read a wonderful um, novel while I was writing this book. Mm -hmm. But it was okay. I don't know why it, it was okay. It was so different. It was okay. 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 Do you want oh, to know what it was? I do. Well, I do. I didn't want to ask. <laughs> what was I knew it? You what, to was know the, what, it was. what was the book? And should I read um, it? I want to read it now. We are all completely beside ourselves. It's a wonderful oh, book. Original. If you haven't read it and you're going to read it, don't read anything about it first. Just come to it absolutely not knowing anything the way I did. Oh, great. Okay, good. Okay, very good. Judy Bloom, recommendations. I like it. And I, I usually can't Judy's remember titles. I can't remember titles and I remember You did, that. but we really want to focus on in the unlikely event. Right. I mean, that's the priority. Do you want to know something? Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> I do. Well, I couldn't come up with a title for this book. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend of mine in LA. She said, I love to title books. She oh. hadn't read it. You know, nobody had read it. Sure. It wasn't even finished. But the publisher needed a title. And so she knew what it was about. And she came up with this title. And I loved this title. And I thought, this is the perfect title. And then for I don't know how long, I couldn't say it. And I said, I'm going to go on a book tour. I'm going to have it on my arm in the unlikely event because I can't remember it. Oh, but now funny. I remember Okay, it. No, good. No, 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 okay, no. no. After, I got over that. Okay, that's I good. got over it. Okay, how did you come up with the idea of a fish stick as a take your pet to school day? How, how, did, you come up, how did you come up with the idea of taking a fish stick to school as your pet? A fish stick? Who wrote this question? Did I take a <laughs> Who is responsible for I this? I mean, I know that they took a lot of things to school for I don't remember a, f a fish stick. Is, what, what book is that from? It's, it's from um, Take Your Pet, take oh, your take pet your to pet School to, Day, oh, from okay. one of the Pain okay. and the Great Win books. Oh, oh, okay. Take Your Pet okay. to School Day. You're probably right, whoever you are. All right, good. Well, I'm going to, OK. It's All right. probably true, but I don't remember it. That'll have to be a private conversation between the two of you <laughs> at the book signing. If you wrote another young adult novel, would you incorporate present-day social issues into the storyline, for instance, gender identity struggles? Oh, god. Well, you know, I mean, that, that's issue writing. Mm -hmm. I don't do issue writing. Mm -hmm. I do character writing. Right. So, so if it came, if it was an organic experience. Yeah, but I'm probably not going to write that book. But there are a lot of wonderful young YA writers who might, Carolyn, <laughs> who might write that book and will write that book. And it will probably be someone who has had that experience. Mm -hmm. Here's a question from a third grade teacher. What advice do you have for children who want to be writers or be better writers? Read. Read. Read, 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 read. Read, read, read. read, read. How do we learn to be writers after all? Huh? We're readers. Read, read. We're yes. readers first. Mm -hmm. And I do have, a, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of, probably there are a lot of writers or aspiring writers in this room right now. How do you deal with criticism 
or how do you advise people to deal with criticism? Do you read reviews of your books? Do you immerse yourself? Do you go there? Yes. You do. <laughs> it can be painful. I do. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, criticism, you know, when my first books were rejected, the first time I cried. What? What's mm -hmm. wrong with that? Sure. I went in the closet. Mm -hmm. Didn't want the kids to see me. I went in the closet and I cried. Mm -hmm. And then I, but then I was like, okay, but wait till they see the next one. And then, you know, they were rejected for about two years. Mm -hmm. But I kept, I think I kept getting better. I kept growing in, and I kept learning. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the determination. You mm -hmm. have to, instead of crying, just say, but, 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 I, I will do this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. I have something to say. Well, I don't know. Oh, well, um, I don't yeah. know, but I have something to say. Right. I have something I have to do that has to come out of me. Right. That was me. Okay. I, what is one bucket list item that you have not yet done that you would like to do? What is something that you would like to do that you have not done? God. That's George, a good question. Help. <laughs> <laughs> what would I still like to do? Well, I've had a lot of good things happen, mm -hmm. you know? I'd, I'd like time to just kind of enjoy being with George, have, being with the families, more time for friends, and I'm gonna take a break now to do all of that. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're, you're just gonna take, you're gonna do your book tour, which ends at the end of July, and then I need a break. You need a break. It's five been five years. years. I haven't you, had a day off since Christmas. You've given birth to a giant baby. Oh, you. So big. <laughs> yes. Okay. Which of your, and I think I do know the answer to this, but which of your characters do you see yourself in the most? Well, Sally, Sally, Sally is yes. my most autobiographical book. So yes. Sally J. Freeman is the mm -hmm. kind of kid I was. Mm -hmm. Came from a teacher who wrote to me saying she was doing a study on create, uh, adults in creative fields. Mm -hmm. What were they like as children? And I thought, oh, and so I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, right, right. And that was Sally. And well, I, you know, there's a lot of Margaret. I am, it, I am a lot of Margaret. Right, uh, but there's a lot of, yes, there's a lot of you and Margaret. That's that makes good. Sense. That's Thank good. You. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, will any of your books be made into movies? Will Tiger, Tiger Eyes? Tiger Eyes, yes. 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 Recent, 2012, I want to say 2012? Um, three years ago. Three years ago. Were yes. you happy with how it turned out? I love it because we did it ourselves. <laughs> uh. You know, my son and I wrote the screenplay and, and Larry directed it. Oh, and, wow. Um, and um, um, I couldn't be happier with it, mm -hmm. not because we did it ourselves, but because it did come out, mm -hmm. I think, very true to the spirit of the book. This also says, thank you for being the backdrop to my life, which is Aww. beautiful. And beautiful. I think true, I, you know, I've heard it said that you've, you've you know, people see their childhood when they, when they meet you. They feel their whole childhood rush into, and they, they don't know how to. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with you. But, but, uh, but they're very sweet and wonderful and loyal. And you know, without my loyal readers, mm -hmm. they've given me everything. So, how did you come up with "We must, we must, we must increase our"? <laughs> 
did you do that? I didn't invent that. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew that. We all knew that. Yeah, that was even, I was yeah. on a TV show today, and mm -hmm. she said it, and then she went on to something I didn't even know. The something, the bigger, the better, the fuller, the oh, sweater. Yeah, the I didn't even better. know that. The fuller, the sweater, that's right. That's right. But we all did, we must, we must. And it worked better for some than for others. <laughs> I do remember doing that. I remember two things. I remember sitting with my girlfriends and doing chest exercises and having seances and trying to bring back Jack the Ripper. That's what we did <laughs> when we were 11. <laughs> well, I'm glad one worked and the other didn't. That's, me too, I'm quite pleased about that. I think um, I have one, there's one last question and then we have to wrap it up because you do okay. have to go on to your, oh, you have to go on to your signing now. But you have to promise to come on the road with me and and do this in every venue because oh, I'll never can I tell you something. I'll never have anyone as wonderful as you. I really my actually my last question is when this is over, can we go somewhere and become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty I think I'm down. I'm down I'm down with that. Okay, this is my <laughs> this is my last question. And it's 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 a doozy. Get ready. Okay. Okay, belts were a foreign concept to me when I read oh. Margaret, but I loved learning about them. I think they've been changed to adhesive pads in the current books. And while that's more contemporary, do you feel like anything has been lost? <laughs> oh. Could we just go back to those wonderful belts? Oh, God. You know something? Um, belts became obsolete right after the book was published. Oh. And it was my British editor mm -hmm. who said, how about we change the belts to sticky pads? Okay. And it was like, yes, let's do that. Because, you know, but, but people don't know that because they're still reading the first edition right. of the book. Right. And so right. she's still got... Belts, oh God. Belts, belts. They do have belts in my new book, I have to say. Okay, if you, if you were, this is my... This if, you, is, if you long to read about them again. If you long to. We can have a whole, I'll demonstrate, we can have a whole demonstration later. This is my last question. If you were stranded on an island... Oh no, oh with no. Joyce Carol Oates, Stephen King, and a paper mill and ink factory, who could write the most books the fastest? <laughs> Stupid. We are done here. I can't tell you, this has been a huge pleasure for me. Um, really, I have loved meeting you, and I never want this night to end, but it does have to come to an end because you are going to go and meet some of these lovely people. So I appreciate you. I love your book. I hope everybody here purchases your book and rereads all your old books. I'm just a huge super fan, and I feel privileged to have met you. The best, the best, the best. Thanks for listening. 92Y Talks is supported by a generous endowment established by Daphne Reconati Kaplan and Thomas S. Kaplan. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and find more great conversations on 92YOnDemand.org.